Welcome to the Feed Zone. It's Sunday the 26th of November and hard to believe it's only been a week since the last Feed Zone, but uh, we're back to full strength this week. I'm glad to say that from uh, Flint, Michigan, recovered from the dreaded lurgy, Dave Stanley, welcome back. You're looking well. Uh, thank you. God, it was. it's so nice to not be sick. Uh, you know, it's that truism, you know, as long as you got your health and always be thankful for your health. And we all forget that it's not really a truism. It's the fucking truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I went out for a little ride today. Uh, first time I've been able to do much of anything. You know, I did a little walk the last two days, half a mile or so. I'll let that sink in. Yes. A half a mile walk. That was a big deal. That was a very yeah. big deal. Woo. But I did 20 minutes today and the last five minutes of it, it was two degrees out and it started snowing on me. And I got to tell you, it was glorious. It was really nice. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no sun out, but that's okay. There's no wind either. And uh, don't overdo it for a month. Go, go very gentle for a month. Oh yeah. 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 Because it's, yeah. A, it's a strange so it felt, thing. It feels good to be vertical. And my wife is uh, still, She's testing negative, but she still feels pretty poorly. So she's got that Paxlovid rebound going on. So yeah, uh, I, my doctor told me I wasn't sick enough to need Paxlovid. So I guess there's a, if there's an upside, that's it. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you're on the mend, and I hope Kath is uh, back on her feet again soon. Thank you, Jerry. Um, Christopher Sidwell's in Yorkshire. You've been riding your bike again today as well, haven't you? Yeah, two degrees didn't snow on me, but you know, what a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, I'm just loving that. I've just fallen in love with cycling again, um, and I, I love it. It's every opportunity. Um, I'm I'm there. I've started running again as well. My my um um Achilles tendon or the 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 growth of the bony growth is, seems to have got got uh, settled down. It's not flaring, and I, I, I ran three kilometers before I went on my bike yesterday, and um, it was okay. It hurt afterwards, but it's, it was next day. It was fine, so I'm good. Good stuff. I, I haven't yet been riding my bike this this weekend. Yesterday, uh, Saturday was glorious, but freezing cold in Scotland. But I've been doing other things, um, and today the temperature ironically came up, but then it brought humidity with it, which then created ice, oh. um, which which is <laughs> made our roads no, treacherous. No, no. So, uh, so it's back to back to. I've been doing the Zwift Academy this year, which has actually been really good. Yeah. Um, more the workouts have been um, I'm starting to understand um, why the workouts are the way they are I did one of the races last week and actually put into put into use what I was learning in, during the workouts you know so big efforts for a sustained period and then late you know easing off and then you know, recovering and then attacking against it so yeah um, I've actually been weirdly um, weirdly loving the Zwift Academy this year um, I'm not doing the long one, so I'm not, I'm not going to get a contract with Canyon SRAM, sadly, as much as I like their kit. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, I've got my, I haven't yet, so I haven't had my, my, my Canyon out this winter, but never mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice this year I know actually I actually have a winter bike for the first time, which is, you know, as we know, is just code, code for your old bike. You wouldn't be allowed to ride outside in Yorkshire without a winter bike. <laughs> not allowed. Um and mud guards and, and even mud guard flaps have to be a certain dimension, regulation dimension. Yeah. Well, no, I've got I've got the you know, I've got the, the mud guards and stuff, but I've only ever had one road bike until this year. So I, I I used to get fed up with going into the bike shop with my my, my boardman. I'd be, was this the winter bike? Like, no, this is this isn't the bike. Uh, anyway, lovely. lovely. Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, it's um, it's the close season. It's all a bit quiet on the on the road, but we've got a bit of people to talk about uh, this week. Um, the first one was the, the news during the week that um, the team we now we presently know as Jumbo Visma um, will next season be known as Visma Lease a Bike, as in borrow a bike, um, which is a uh, um, Roger Pluger was announced that during the week um and saying that the uh, the sponsorship with the uh, a bike is uh, is indefinite um which makes me wonder is this just code for we're going to take this one season at a time um but it's a pretty big group that Lisa bike are part of um which which makes me think yeah i think this is going to be good for the longevity of the the team um i, I don't know what i don't know what you're your, your views are if you've been following that one much um, from your sick bed, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been sleeping a lot. Uh, so when I, I've been doing two things, I've been sleeping and I've been reading. So yeah, I, I noticed that I have not done a deep dive. I did notice that uh, it's a part of a very, very large company, billions in, in euros and dollars. So that's outstanding. I, I you know how I feel about the economic model. Anything that gets mm-hmm. those sorts of dollars, uh, you know, to the eyeballs and raises the level of both the the sponsors' awareness that people are out there saying, "Hey, you know, I can. I don't need a bike. I can lease a bike. You know, ride to the market and then ride home." I think that's I think that's tremendous, and I also think it's tremendous for the sport when somebody who's got that kind of money that's a that's a lot of bucks. Uh, is willing to invest the their brand name in our product, which is quote unquote bicycle racing. I think that's a great thing. So I'm I'm very much in favor of it. Let me just throw this out real quick. I didn't have a chance to do any research about that. You know, Yumbo Visma is also so involved in speed skating. Is um is the bike firm going to get involved? Have either of you heard with sponsorship of their uh with their speed skating program. Cause I, I see a lot of bleeding of fandom, you know, between speed, speed skating fans love cycling and most cycling fans love speed skating. So I just wonder if there's any crossover between the two. I, I don't know, but I mean, the, the edge of speed skating will have a bike and it's made, made on bikes, don't they? And this, this fun group that owns Lisa um, Bike is, is massive. It owns Cavello, it's in sports, Volkswagen, Skoda. Um, all sorts of things. Really? They own Cervelo in Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's big. That's really big. Just a quick plug here. There's a new, they're leasing a bike. It's a great idea. Not just for companies, individuals can lease a bike, not just for companies for leasing bikes for their their employees who might want want to encourage to get fitter. Can cargo bikes and all sorts of things. And there is a new company called bikeflex.co.uk in the UK that you can do all that from. And it, it, one of the ambassadors is my great friend Russell Downing, and um, oh, you know, I'd just like to see that yeah. Russell, uh, the guy whose um, money behind it is a, I think he's young venture capitalist of the year. So it's a, it's a new thing. It's a very, it's you know, it's a, it's a very firm thing. They're in there with a new idea, and uh, Russell's a sort of front man for it. And best to look to him for that. So yeah. that is bikeflex.co.uk. I can stuff into recommendations already. Um, <laughs> I shall put a link to that in the show notes. Um, one thing that struck me about the uh, the pawn group and David, uh, Chris, you touched on um, 
some some of the companies that are in their different wings there. Um, on Pawn Bike, they own Cervelo, who obviously are the bikes that are uh, ridden by the, the the present incarnation of the of the team. Um, but also they announced uh, Roger Pluga announced that they will continue with the other partners, including Skoda, who are there. So it sounds like a almost a, a bigger investment from the group of saying, okay, let's put another one of our brands. Um, it you know onto the jerseys or, or whatever, and um, so it does sound like there's, you know, it hasn't been a a, a Gianni Savio, you know, can you spare me a dime sort of thing, um, it just it, it has the, a real feel of a longer term investment in, you know, in, in in the team, and I think that that's really popular, sorry, really positive. You could see them cycling through the brands, couldn't you? You know, it's 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 um it's jumbo. Uh, Lisa bike this year, and then it's Jumbo Skoda or Jumbo whatever. You know they could they they, they might use it for all sorts of use the team as a bit for publicity for all sorts of other names. Yeah, well, looking at the automotive side, it's not just Skoda and Volkswagen Audi. They've got Porsche, they've got Bentley, Bugatti, Lamborghini. Wow, you know that's that's some tasty tasty names there. So yeah, yeah, hmm. I want to see. I would like to see a Lamborghini. Yeah. I see a Lamborghini team car, but I think, yeah, dare say that's impractical. That, I'd like that. That would be a great <laughs> thing to have. I think the officials um, should probably not get them, however. I, I can't imagine good things happening if uh, you know any of the uh, commissars had Lamborghinis and Bentleys to drive at the races. That would be bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think we've, we've seen this in the past. I remember when Team Sky had the Jaguars, that was not necessarily the most popular move they ever made. And then when the Enios Grenadier Land Rover knockoff things started appearing, that's, um, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily send out the right message, does it? No, no. And, and, and the future the future of team cars and buses is going to be electric anyway. Um, sure. That, that well, isn't that one of the stated um yeah goals for the tour over the like the next 20 years or something is to be carbon neutral and for the uci the whole of cycling yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. great so that's, that's good news in the sponsorship front um one thing we're, we're going to dip our toes into perhaps um, shark infested waters at the moment is the, um given events in the world at the moment and this isn't meant to be a critique in any way shape or form or a, a, an opinion on um, events in the Middle East, but we look at there was a, an interview um, on another channel over the last week with Sylvan Adams, um, the the billionaire um, philanthropist and, and owner of Team Israel Premier Tech, um, and was asked amongst other things did he feel that events in the in the, uh, the Middle East were would likely to cause um, safety concerns for for his team's riders in, in the future. Um, and I think his responses to this were pretty, pretty robust um, and not a little con- controversial, um, albeit with somebody who, if you, uh, if you're an Israeli citizen, you, you have skin in this game. Um, but it does make me think, is there a danger that, moving away from, say, the, the big news of the, the pawn group, but if we have teams who are reliant on nation-state sponsorship or sponsors who are um, closely linked with nation-state, so obviously Israel Premier Tech and Israel Premier Tech role in the women's team, um, but potentially UAE Emirates, um, Bahrain, Victorious, and even you know, we've seen it at a commercial level with with, with Team Ineos, um in protest against against that team or at least against that sponsor. Um, is there a do we think there's a danger that next season, and particularly in um, in an Olympic year, that you know, we could see um, teams you know, almost being um, the focal point for 
protest and, and potentially, you know, wash um, against them because of whose names they bear on their jersey. I, Officer, Dur- yeah, Inspector well, General, because I, I have some thoughts, but I think well, I'll go after you. Uh, well, I, 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 my only thought is you can't predict anything. Um, and, and I don't know. Um, you know, it depends where, how cycling um, shows up on protesters' radar. Um, I mean, yeah, the, there was there was some protests against Ineos in the first year they took over, and there were some demonstrations on the Tour de Yorkshire. But um, it, it's not been a, 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 a stop oil subject; they've not targeted it. Um, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing. And, and when you get onto terrorism, that's the, that's the that's the the um, weapon that terrorists use, isn't it? Picking on something that's not nobody's thought of. Uh, and picking something that's not guarded, and then shock. I mean, the, the whole object of terrorism is, is shock, isn't it? So uh, you never know. You just don't know. Yeah, we all remember the, uh, you know, the what happened with uh, what was the name of the the group in um, in what not Mexico City in um, in Munich. Munich, wasn't it? Yeah, Black September. Black September. Black September. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you guys know I'm a big Alpine and Nordic ski racing fan. Uh, about a week and a half ago at one of the men's World Cup events, there was a huge protest in the Finnish area. Huh? One of the one of the top skiers, Henrik Kristofferson, uh, came through, and all of a sudden, uh, at the bottom, you know, and he's going, he flies in there at like forty miles an hour. I mean, these guys are going pretty quick. All of a sudden, about 15, 20, 25 protesters pile over the barricades and uh, in, essentially invaded the pitch. And uh, it took quite some time and some manpower before they got the protesters. And I don't really know exactly what they were protesting because they cut away. I had he- I heard that it was uh, climate change issues. Um, of course, ski racing, you know, requires an awful lot of energy to make uh, to run the lifts to to make the snow because we don't have nearly enough snow to run ski races these days in a lot of instances. So, you know, as you said, Chris, and I think you're spot on, we don't know what we don't know. And I do think that if we, I do think that cycling in particular and sport in general, uh, especially with this upcoming Olympic year, is going to be a big flashpoint because we're, there's a lot of crisis spots in the world right now. And I don't think we do a very good job of communicating between nations about uh, things like potential terrorist acts. And I think all we have to do is look at what happened in, you know, with Hamas, look what happened with the uh, heavy handed response from Israel in Palestine. I, I would be I think we're fools if we don't just assume the absolute worst coming into this uh, Paris Olympic Games. Yeah, I mean, sport has always been a target, right? Going back, well, going back to the suffragettes and the king's horse. I forget the, oh, yeah. the lady who jumped in front of the king's horse in the in the derby um i forget her name which is not not good of me to admit but um i think also as well with with the world at the moment we are reaping a little bit of the of the the danger that we can see that countries are becoming more isolationist you know britain's trying seeming to cut itself off america seeming to cut itself off we were we were better when we talked human beings are better when we talked and uh, I can't believe there's there's a sort of rise of nationalism in 2023, 24, you know, the 21st century. It's just ridiculous. I thought we'd put that behind us. Yeah, we, we seem destined to repeat the 
the mistakes of the past and then the, the not too distant past at that. Yeah, time I, I, time I, again. I heard a, a Radio 4, a, a, a doctor or professor of social history, and she said that it only takes a generation to repeat the same mistakes that the generation before made. You know, you've got one generation in between, that, like, in between the world wars and in between nationalism, and then that generation was in power, and yeah, there was a lot of peace, and there was the EU, and there was the UN, and, and the European Court of Human Rights, and now you've got people rabid and baying to leave the European Court of Human Rights, and we don't want to be in the EU, and we don't want to do this, and the UN's wrong. We're repeating the same problem. And we've got far-right you know, governments, people looking at the far-right as more populist. Um, it's sad and worrying. I think we're straight off cycling though, now, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we're an international sport. And yeah, I, yeah. You know, we are, and 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 um, and it, and also difficult to guard, difficult to police. I mean, oh yeah, the, the, the police. It's a, I mean, you can police a stadium. Yeah, but um, you know, I mean, the cycling is a. It could be a target. It's just got to. It's just got to ping up on some terrorist radar. Um, that, that, yeah, I don't think it would be all that difficult to hijack a uh, a chopper, one of the uh, you know one of the camera choppers, or just one of the general choppers that seems to be always flying around at something like the Tour de France, and you could wreak an immense amount of havoc with a uh, yeah with that helicopter. Not not that any would, terrorists listen to this podcast, but I think we probably ought to draw a veil over that. Yeah, one. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm that original. <laughs> no, I just don't. Yeah, but it's it it does. I think it highlights the the exposure that that, that cyclists have. It's it's a sport that's pretty, you know it has become a bit less open over the last few years, you know, because of training and secrets and all that kind of stuff. And um, but you can get pretty close to a bike team. Yep, um, it, yeah, it's can. a vulnerable yeah. sport. It's a very vulnerable sport. And I mean, as we're going to go on and talk, cyclists on the roads are vulnerable themselves, increasingly. Indeed. Um, moving on, well, let's get all the bad news out of the way first, will we? I mean, um, we, David, you, you passed the, the news that this morning that nineteen-year-old uh, Basque rider um, Inigo Diaz Sanchez um, was killed um, on a on a training ride again. This is this just seems to have been a constant theme um, since the tail end of last year. Obviously, the big named uh, David Arabian was killed last December, um, but we started the season with eighteen-year-old Bestella Dominguez. Um, young Spanish rider was about to start uh, with the Sopella team. Um, she was killed in a, a hit and run by a truck driver, Magnus White, um, American uh, cyclocross champion, 17-year-old junior. Um, Teal de Decker, um, under-23 Paris-Roubaix rider, was killed in the summer. Um, training rides again and again involving vehicles. Um, and we, you know, It's just such... It's tragic. We're seeing so many young riders who are being snuffed out training before they get a chance to really make their mark on the world. It's one of the we've said this before. It's one of the few sports where you do all your all your training in a public arena. Yeah, and you're out there. Your exposure is so great. You know, if you want to go out and do a five hour ride, you know, and you're out there for hundred hundred miles or so, one hundred and sixty k. That's an immense amount, even on empty roads, you know, relatively speaking, that's an immense amount of exposure. I I do, you know, mostly indoors now, but uh, the gravel roads near my house, if I go out on a lovely day, you know, and I do, you know, maybe an hour and a half or whatever, 
and I only see eight or 10 cars on these gravel roads. Well, that's still 10 cars that if somebody, oh, look, you know, he's driving down the road and he's decides, oh, I better check my messages. I, my phone's been pinging. There's nobody on the road. What's the likelihood of one of those 10 cars that I saw plowing into the back of me when they're checking their messages on a quote unquote empty road? I think pretty good. Yeah, we're seeing far more distracted driving, of course. We're seeing a lot more angry drivers. That's a big part of it, too. We're seeing an immense amount of anger out there on the part of drivers. I don't know how you can, in good conscience, you know, uh, send your kid, your 17-year-old kid out on a solo training ride for three or four hours. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, there's, there's not a solution for that. I mean, people are just too angry and too distracted. And there's, I, tell, I think it's too many distractions in modern cars. Um, whether that, that's something that uh, the, the car designers can look at. Um, I mean, I, I, I ride in, either indoors or on gravel. And luckily, we, we, our gravel trails are bridleways so that, you, you know, they're, they're not allowed to drive vehicles on them. So you, you're not going to come across a vehicle apart from the occasional lunatic kid on a motor, motorcycle that we, uh, we get around here. But you can hear them coming. Um, there isn't an answer to this one. Just calm down, people, and be patient. And let's look, you know, look after each other. This. I wonder, and just linking back to what we were talking about, you know, in the political climate of the world of isolationists, and there's all everybody's, there's no subtlety or nuance in any discussion. And I think that spills over onto the roads, whereas if if you're a cyclist, then you are, you know, you're somehow disadvantaging a driver. Or if you're a driver, you, you're supposed to hate your perception that you're trying to kill all cyclists. Um, and it's just, I just, I, I, because I know what the solution is. It's, it's you know, coming back to our global context, what is it that makes us, and I, I don't necessarily mean the West, I just mean people who generally don't wage war, what makes us the good guys is you know, it's supposed to be the value of, you know, the valuing of human life and the, the recognition that each other is, is flesh and blood. Um, and yeah, it just, it just depressed me that to see that... Um, David, you said over the story about uh, Inigo this morning, and I thought, that's it's like another kid um, as well, yeah. just and you, you know, a, a driver, drivers are distracted, not be necessarily because they're bad drivers. Um, I'd like to think that some, you know, somebody sees me on the road isn't going to drive into me, um, or if we have an accident, it's not because they chose to drive into me, it's because they were distracted or something catastrophic went wrong. Um, and yet, it's so easy to be distracted without being on a phone or um, you know, listening to the radio or real life happening around about us. And yet we get into these two-ton metal boxes and you know, we're all drivers. Um, and you forget that there's a world outside those, those pillars. You have to be mindful about what you're doing. Mindfulness is the, you know, that's the thing we've lost um, the human race. Be mindful about everything you do, including driving. It's not something you do I mean, I've heard people say, "Oh, it's something new, automatic." You, oh, you could think about, you can think about this. I've heard people say this actually in the mindful world. You can think about the next job you're going to while you're driving because driving's automatic. It's not. Key to mindfulness is to be mindful about what you are doing, 100% in that moment, and that's what we've got to become. 
And I think Gary's point is also really well taken. There is just an immense amount of anger out there. I was yeah. listening to uh, a little bit from the police's uh, synchronicity album yesterday and a line popped out at me that I quoted on my threads account, I, just because I stuck it in there trapped like lemmings in shiny metal boxes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, another that's suburban the, that's suicidal race. Yeah. That's the one, right? That's it, yeah. Too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And I thought to myself, that's it in a nutshell. That's why this is happening there. You know, we, we spoke a couple weeks ago, maybe it's been a couple months ago. Now my time, my time bonding uh, ability kind of faded there for about a week and a half with uh, COVID. But we talked a lot about uh, heart issues among athletes. And uh, I, I think heart issues, sure. Yeah. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is driver issues. Yeah. You know, it's not cycling. I, I suspect that if we did, ran the numbers, there's far, far more people hit, injured, killed, by drivers who are both angry and or distracted than they're in one year than there probably have been in the last 20 years from cardiac issues amongst cyclists. Well, it's 1,700 road de- pedestrian and cycling deaths a year down to driving in, really? in the UK. And then you've got a, you've, you've got a people who have got a, in, in authority have got to think about what they're saying. Now you've got a, an ex-chief of police and the Met saying that the bikes, you know, should be registered. And have a number plate on them. I mean, ridiculous. What? To, to do what? Yeah, it doesn't solve any problem, but it makes other people feel like somehow cyclists are paying their way. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what are we doing now? We're going to then register pedestrians. And the next thing is, should we all have a number? We're going to rest- register people. We all have a number tattooed on our forehead. They, you know, how did that go last time it was done? Um, <laughs> really it- ended badly. It ended badly, and I, I I wondered if is it the 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 bike owner that's registered or a bike? Because I was thinking some uh, a policeman on a at ten o'clock on a wet Sunday night. Um, good luck telling the difference between a nineteen sixty eight Carlton Clubman and a nineteen sixty nine Carlton Corsair. Right. I mean, it's just uh, is it, I, I I just couldn't believe that an intelligent person had said that. I think it must have been taken out of context, as yeah. journalists are wont to do sometimes. Yeah, I'd like to think so. And it's, it's, yeah, it comes back to this, the notion from, certainly from some quarters, that somehow cyclists are responsible for their fate um, by, not, big... by not being taxed or insured <laughs> you know, or wearing a helmet. Now, David Rebellion, Estela Dominguez, Magnus White, Kilde Decker, and Inigo Diaz Sanchez were almost certainly wearing helmets yeah. because that's what as road cyclists we do. Yep. Um, and you know, that's that's a completely different debate. But it's you know a, a, a human flesh and bone coming up against the you know s- steel and things. Um, it's no plastic just, has not going to help you. Let's just just Let calm just, down, everybody. Yeah, let me remind you, force equals mass times acceleration. <laughs> yeah. That M with us, very, very tiny. <laughs> that A with us, very, very tiny. <laughs> with an uh, with a motor vehicle, not yeah, not so tiny. Yep. We will lose that battle every single time. Every time. Yeah. It's I, I saw a thread on 
uh, on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, a couple of weeks ago, and it was the if if you could say something, if, if, you know, to make people safe on the roads, what would you what would you say to a cyclist? And it, it's it's the dial. It's, I wish when I'm driving, my worst nightmare as a cyclist is to be involved. You know, a, 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 a driver who's a cyclist is to be involved in any way in an incident with a, with with another cyclist. Oh yeah, uh, because it would just be dreadful. Yeah. Uh, but I've always thought I just I will sit and inside my head I'm saying, I've got you. I can see you. You're as safe as I can make you. Don't worry. And I just wish every cyclist could feel that on the, on a road, whether you're going to your work, whether you're on a club run, whether you're training or whatever. And somehow it seems to there seems to be a difference if you're on a club ride. You know, all these cyclists who think they're on the Tour de France, well, you know, we're not any different from the person that's on a you know a sit up and beg bike going to shops or an e bike. Yeah. we're not that special. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about something more cheerful. Absolutely, yeah. yeah so okay. I'm conscious that we're 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 talking we're we're talking amongst ourselves, but we're preaching to the converted out there as yeah. well. Of course we are. Right. We let's, just depressed let's, everybody. Let's talk about how screwed up the UCI is. That's yeah, always fun. Let's go with the UCI. <laughs> David, we've kind of been saving this one for you coming by because we're going oh, to talk about good. <laughs> uh, who do we know who hates the UCI? David. David. Um, David. <laughs> actually, it's not. It was the. If you remember two or three weeks ago, um, David Laparte was was. But I was getting a bit upset because the, the pro roadies turned up at the gravel worlds and won everything. And I thought that's a bit unsporting. And you said, "Yeah, well, you just have to get faster. So get over it fairly." Um, <laughs> that was Chris. That was me. Record. Yeah, was me. I, I, I know I'm him. on my own in this <laughs> this trio, but I still stand Chris by it. Said it, but I did agree with him. And then I later recanted. Because a couple of our listeners said, you know, you might want to think about this. And I went, oh, son of a bitch. Those guys are right. Yeah. Um, So I I recanted. I've I've still not recanted. I've had dialogue with with Brad um, (laughs) on threads. And, yeah, yeah, Brad. He's great. Yeah. I like Brad. He's, no, he's a good, he's a great guy, and everything he says is really well thought out. But I, I still disagree. If we're having a world championships, it's to find the best in the world on that course on that day. That's the principle. Yeah, but related to this, it's, it comes back to my my theory that sometimes we we save cycling from itself, and we we sow the seeds. But none other than David Lapartio, the president of the UCI, was interviewed for a French outlet. Um, and he was talking about it. was noted that that uh, Thibaut Nice um, had uh, raced at I think it was at Neil um, in Belgium a couple of weeks ago, and um, but missed the following day's um, World Cup. Um, and you know he was basically saying you you can't really pick and choose from the World Cup. If you you know if riders are going to start doing that, then we might stop them from riding the World Championships. Which then came back to my you know my theory well thought out or otherwise about people just pitching up for the gravel worlds and being allowed to hoover up you know, all the gongs and go away again. But I was thinking, you know, there is a, is there a, you know, a, a degree of sense almost in that, that, uh, um, that you kind of have to earn your right to be at the world championships? Um, or do we just, you know, do we leave it to the, um, to the government, you know, for the, the national federations who set out their criteria? Um, yeah, if, over to you. If, if you do it with cyclocross, you're going to end up with the best two cyclocross riders in the world, not right, doing the world championships. Uh, with best three, Tom Pidcock, uh, Matthew van der Poel, and Wout van Aert. 
I mean, they might not do them anyway this year, but you know, the potential is that you, you you've disqualified the, the best three riders. And I don't think I don't think you're actually doing paying homage and respect to that discipline by having that level of control. Because it's it's the world championship. You like saying, "Oh no, well it's it's for it's for people who support it." You know, a, a championship is is a title. It's not a, a a long service medal. It's a title. And now, if you're going to call, if you want the world championships to be decided by a series, then let's do that. We don't have it on one day. We have the world, just like Formula One. We have the world cyclocross championships. Is this, this the the winner of the World Cups? Same with road racing the winner of the single day world tour uh, and you have to have a single day world tour but I'm, I, I don't like that idea either yeah it, it actually it kind of came back to bite the park this because it was pointed out that actually the the congestion in the cyclocross yeah. season because it's you know, it's the road off season but the the world cup alone is 14 rounds over you know, between october and february um it's insane have to do with that because it is insane to expect riders to be at near peak performances through those 14 races after coming off of a, a lengthy road season is set a minimum participation standard that both the riders union and the uci can mm. can, yeah. can agree upon that's i don't think that's cool. a big ask you know if you have 14 races you say okay here they do it in pro tennis right Yep. We know that they have the they have the the majors, of course, which are essentially our grand tours or whatever. Then they have the Masters one thousand events. Then they have the Masters five hundreds and so on, and they set minimum point standards. And you have to figure out a way. And if it to qualify, and and work your way up through that through that list. And if you're in that upper tier, you still have to have a certain number of minimum number of points in order to qualify for the big event at the end of the year. So does golf with their FedEx cup. And I don't think it has to be, if we have 14 events, I don't think it has to be 12 events, pick the three or four traditionally yep. strongest events, the yep. most popular ones and say, all right, guys, we understand. Here's the four that you need to ride. The other 10 are up to you. We hope to see you. if we don't, we'll see you at the world championships, you know, Godspeed. And I don't think that's a big ask on either side because those guys are going to want to ride those four events anyway. I mean, who wants to miss, you know, the three or four, you know, just most insane crazy. I mean, we all know cyclocross riders are nuts. They <laughs> love, right. And I mean that in the best way. Don't you, like you think track riders are? You want to be like right there with the crowd and in cyclocross, yeah. There they are. You got 80 drunken sots throwing beer and cursing <laughs> at you and cheering you. And it's an incredible event. And the guys love it. We know they love it. Yeah. So they'll show up for those four events. And hey, you know, the other 10 events, good on those guys who can manage to get up on the podium and build some points and get themselves into that upper tier of riders where they are also privileged enough to only have to ride in four or five of the World Cup events. It's I not a difficult fix. But again... You know, it's the Parcien and the Riders Union coming to coming to some sort of agreement because right now it's just a fucking power struggle that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. David, you're yeah. the grown up voice of the Cycling Legends podcast, and uh, I, I completely support yeah that yeah yeah that works is, for me. Yeah, is cyclocross? Like, 
not not a red herring. It's, it's a bit of an outlier because it is a sport that is so. You know, road cycling and yes, it's France and Belgium and Northern Europe and you know it's kind of broken out of that. But cyclocross is so predominantly Dutch and Belgian, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can race and there are obviously Super Prestige and the X Two O Bad Cameras Trophy. But you know the other two main draws um, and they're happening on every other Saturday. Yeah. Um. With the world, so there's until recently I guess the World Cup has kind of had to fight to get its way and it kind of feels like it's the UCI trying to exert control and authority on the fundamentally uncontrollable and I don't think it pays the start money that those other series do does it? I think until recently they've been much off the mark Yeah, which made those others more attractive but I, I think there's Probably more history in the in the national series than there are at the moment in, in yeah. the World Cup. Yeah, the super prestige. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Perno would be interested in sponsoring anything again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, super prestige Perno. Right, nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Well, I mean that was that was uh, right back from the fifties and sixties, I think. Yeah. Super prestige. Yeah. <laughs> More unacceptable sponsors. Like, drink, drink's okay. Bring the booze. Oil, right. not so good. <laughs> yeah, no, drink's okay. Perno's not the best. Just don't uh, let your socks get too tall. It, it's yeah. it's not the, the best pastis, though, is it? And pastis only works in Provence as well. It just doesn't work in doesn't work in South Yorkshire. I've tried. I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's got to be I do hot. like things like San Rafael, but Perno, not so much. No. No, Perno's very much. Ricard's. Ricard's nice. Sure. But only in Provence. There you go. <laughs> Chris, just let me ask you this. What isn't nice in Provence? <laughs> that was their uh, EPO, wasn't it? Eau, pastis et olive. Mm. <laughs> I saw that Maybe in the Tour de France. Maybe EPO. Maybe in Sourde. Yeah. Mon Eau, pastis et olive. Provençal. Saw it on a banner. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, there we go. That's picked. That that was a little pick me up, wasn't it? That's <laughs> talking about the booze. Um, this is the feed zone from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by VivaLavello.cc. Uh, we are in your ears on the Cycling Legends subscriber feed every fortnight, but you may be listening to us on the free feed because it is uh, it's still the week of Black Friday, um, and like like all broadcasters and salespeople, we're tearing the backside out of it. Um, so if you're joining us on the free feed, um, thanks for thanks for coming along. I hope you hope you're enjoying the chat. Um, if you want more of this, you want more interviews, more features, you can gain access by signing up at cyclinglegendspodcast.com. Um, this is the part of the show, guys, where we uh, before we wrap up and go into our uh, recommendations, um, I throw the floor open. Is there any other competent business um, before we wrap this week's show up? Uh, even no. Giant is having some economic issues. I saw. Uh, they po- you know, we are definitely seeing the post-pandemic downturn. Uh, one of the biggest bike companies in the world is uh, they're still pro- quite profitable, of course, but they're showing less profit uh, than they were last year at this time. Just saw that this morning on uh, Bike Retailer and Industry News Brain. For those of you who want to check out a very interesting bike industry uh, website. 
And also, La Parcia is going to continue to go after ill-fitting socks. That was a big one this morning on several different websites as well, that uh, too tall socks are going to continue to be a bane in the backside of the UCI's existence. There is there is a big advantage from having too tall socks. There's a great aerodynamic advantage for having your socks a little bit higher up your leg. Yeah, so I'm told by the aerodynamicists they get quite um, they get quite vexed by this. Hence the I, use of hence of use of band aid by the Danish team pursuit team. Yeah, um, it makes sense, trip, doesn't it? Trip that they're air. rotating. You know, your yeah. legs are spinning 110 RPM. Yep, yep. That's um, I, I did. I did. I say this on the last time. The the idea of the big widely spaced front forks on the British Hope bikes track bikes is to smooth out airflow over your legs, not. Not to stop eddies. It's not stop eddy currents between, um, as I thought it was, between the front wheel and the fork. It's to actually do something about the revolving legs. Yeah, I had never. So I'm so I'm told. There's a bit of insider stuff from me because I've seen the next Olympic bike. Huh. Wow. Got photographs. Somebody wants to buy them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Did I see that? Are the UCI increasing the, the size of the fines for improper dress? Yeah, to yeah. something ridiculous like twelve hundred euros or Swiss francs or whatever. Quite right, it's like five free watts. You know, I mean, come on, <laughs> sock doping. It's terrible. It's it's it's, it's scandalous. Yeah, never never mind safety and uh, equal opportunities and equal pay and all those kind of things. It's put, not, not pull your socks up. It's pull your socks down, man. We're going to go back to those tiny wee things that were cool when i was getting into road cycling yeah they've looked yeah, a lot better i mean i think i think I, I, I it was such a stylish sport once and oh no some of the and time don't get me started on time trial bikes there, it's just, still a very stylish sport chris it's just that you you're stuck in 1977 i'm stuck <laughs> in 1988 you know and poor gary is stuck in 97 with his uh, chris boardman bike <laughs> it's still stylish as hell I love what the guys are doing with shoes. Yeah, There's I like a modern really shoes. Nice article very a couple nice. Years yeah. Ago yeah, very about nice. About a custom shoe builder. He's an Irish bloke. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I was in Peloton magazine, and he custom makes and designs. He takes your shoes and he personalizes them for you with some really extraordinary artwork. I would love to have a pair of those. I don't yeah. know what's so personal about me. Anything to. You know, make my shoes look better. But what he was doing for like um, for uh, Healy, Ben Healy, and a couple other guys, just Luca Mezgic, a bunch. It was just extraordinary stuff. He's called the Shoe Doctor, if I remember correctly, and he's Irish, and his stuff that's, is that's, fair. That's nice. If you got lots of money, I bet that's a that's a nice thing to have. Yeah, it's it's like the old story of the the guy who used to make the mitts, but you had to be you had to be Eddie Merckx or. Jacques Concretil or Rick Van Louis to get a pair because he, he, he used to do them individually. To the he used to trace around the, the hands of these superstars and make individual, all chamois. They were they were chamois front and back, and these things were were really really beautiful. Hmm. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's taking that's bike fitting at a, a different level, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay then. Right, so we've got style, we've got bikes, we've got giant. Wow. Um, any other any other business before we before we wrap up the show then, guys? No, I think that's that's, 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 that's fine. No, I do, I do think road cycling is still a very stylish sport. I, I, time traveling's just lost it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a completely different helmet debate, isn't it? it it's a different. Yes, I mean, good. Good heavens! <laughs> Let's go watch Ole Ritter Impossible Hour, Chris. And that's right. About yeah, it. that's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, never sacrifice style for speed. Right, and you look marvelous. <laughs> Styles all I've got. Yes, styles all I've got. That's it. We uh, we um, yeah. Actually, I think that races should be not just. I mean, the, the fourth place man could win if he if he's got better style marks. I think there should be a little bit of a style element, <laughs> style judges, and hold those cards up at the end. So there's a time a timekeeper and a jury. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We've fixed fixed cycling again. Fixed cycling. Right. Again. That's not my idea. That's Malcolm Elliott's idea. That oh, is. There's, there's me name dropping. Yeah, yeah, he was stylish. He was. And, and he was yeah, a very stylish yeah, yeah. Malcolm was fast, boy. Yeah. Still is. Man on Still is. Yep. Um, right. What recommendations do we bring um, beyond uh, bikeflex.co.uk, Chris? Oh, I'm going for something quite expensive. It's practical though, um, and it's a, a ninja foodie um, multi cooker. It does. It's got 14 functions in it. It, it, most of the time they're over 200 pound these things um the amazon i hate to say it but they have got 35 percent off at the moment and it it, it it bakes it slow cooks it it steams it roasts it does everything it's the only cooker you'll ever need and it, they're quite big but you can sort of batch cook in them and 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 uh you know eat some of it and freeze the rest of it but that's a, a ninja and ninja stuff is fantastic it does last well i've got yeah. a ninja um food processor liquidizer thing and it's uh, it's just brilliant they're, they're, they're more expensive than the rivals but they're great great yeah we've just got a ninja air fryer um, for yeah. the first day. Well, this but, this but air fries as well yeah yeah i think we've, i think we've been talking about air fryer since i started with the feed zone um, and in one way, shape, or form, we got one last week. And yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> we're, we're thinking of, get, of grabbing one of those too, just for that very reason. It can do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I might have the same one as you, Chris. We got it. We got it in John Lewis, Black Friday sale. Right. Good. There we go. Cool. Um, David, what do you have? Well, one thing and one thing only. While I was sick, I got around to reading a book that I've meant to read for many years. A uh, guy named, you've probably heard of Paulo Cello, C-O-E-H-L-O, the Brazilian writer. He's brilliant. He's a magic realist. And he has a book called The Alchemist, which uh, very, very famous. And I tried to read it once or twice, but the timing was wrong. Uh, but it is... It's like I said, it's magic realism. It takes place in uh, Spain. It takes place in Northern Africa. It takes place in uh, in Egypt. And it is a, a brilliant story about the persistence of following your own personal fable, mm-hmm. you know, becoming that person that you want to be. And it's just it, that the book exists on like three different levels and it's lovely to read um you don't read a lot of it at once because you want to put it down and think about it for a few minutes and it's not super long for those of you who uh don't want to wade through a really long book you can just read it as a as a travel story uh 169 pages except one thing about every novel 
as a friend of mine who wrote a book about novels, he's a school professor, said no one ever went on a trip in a novel just to get somewhere. And that's the truth of The Alchemist. It's a brilliant book and I recommend it highly. Yeah, I've read it. It's very good. I've read it several times, actually. And and others of his uh, as well. Good stuff. I'll, I'll going to add that to my, my non-bike pile, I think. I, I tried to break up my, my reading between bikes and aeroplanes and, yeah, and there's something about the difference of the Paolo Coelho the Alchemist. I'll find, I'll find a, a link for that. Um, David, um, continuing the theme of things that we spoke about when I first did um, or did my first ever Heat Zone about a year and a bit ago, um, it's cleaning products. Um, and I'm going to recommend um, Small Products, uh, a UK company who do um, environmentally friendly cleaning products. Now, one of the the reason I, I picked up on them was that they're, they're universal cleaners. They send you a tablet that you then obviously dissolve in water. And the the premise being that ninety percent of all cleaning products are actually water, and you're paying to ship water from a place that has water to you, who also has access to water. So <laughs> cut out that. You get the you know. It, Cuts down the packaging, you get reusable um, sprays and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I, I, they're really good. They last a long time. You can get them on subscriptions, like most loads of things these days, um, or you can buy them as one off. And they do, you know, kitchen, bathroom, they do laundry detergents now with less plastic and so on, um, cardboard packaging, very, you know, minimalist stuff. Um, and they're really good. Small products, S M O L, um, smallproducts.com, um, and they're certainly. Worth a look. The, the window cleaner is a bit smelly, I'll have to say, but uh, the bath. The <laughs> bath mine is the as well. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, so smallproducts.com. So I think that wraps up um, our, our second feed zone in a week. They took value. Oh. So if you're listening on the free feed, what price can you put in this? None. Um, <laughs> there we go. Gentlemen, as, as ever, it has been a, a joy and a pleasure to chat to you both. Um, where can we find you on social media, David? I am at, at dstan underscore 58 on threads, which has a booming uh, cycling community, not just bike yes. racing, but an awful lot of cyclists in general are on threads as well. It's a, a really cool place to hang out, whether you're interested in pro cycling or not and if you are i post a ton of stuff under the hashtag pro cycling uh and of course i'm still on you know x but that's uh i'm not uh not gonna hang out there for all that much longer uh i just uh, enjoy threads that much more and on instagram uh at dstan underscore 58 kind of reinstating the instagram presence as well lots of great photos over there fun people to follow yeah, can, can I can I shill for your Substack as well because you're a, a talented, oh thank you yeah a talented man Stanley you've got a, a, a Substack of sonnets you're bringing sonnets back um, yeah you read my tagline absolutely um I'll, I'll put a link to your Substack and I've I've, I've retweeted I've rethreaded whatever you got um, yeah. a few other things but I'll put a link to you, to uh, the yeah. Substack. my Substack is free right at the moment will continue to be until I hit that ninety nine plus uh, barrier and then. The first 99 folks will continue to get it for free and everybody else will have to pay for it. But that's a ways down the road. I I think probably another few months. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thank Rich you, Jerry. Life. Yeah. Read, read uh, David's sonnets, which you publish quite frequently. Uh, Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. 
Three times a week. Wow. Yep. Wow. Good stuff. Um, Chris, where will we find you? Um, at Chris Sidwell's everywhere. Um, cyclinglegends.co.uk for um, uh, opportunities to purchase things. Uh, we've just actually got, we're the only source for Graham Watson's posters, the great photographer. Graham here, Watson. here. And we're the only source for him. Make fantastic Christmas presents. And I'm sending them £20, post-free, Europe-wide, anywhere in Europe, post-free. 20 quid um and they're beautiful they're massive and they're done on they're done on a lovely card and the gorgeous things come out in a lovely postal tube um and the website's currently being uh made into something quite beautiful that we'll relaunch next year um graham's photos my son bought me one uh probably 15 years ago it's a two by three of the guys climbing from like the 92 or 93 uh, tour of Italy uh, climbing in the Dolomites. And it's just yeah. one of those iconic Graham Watts. And it sits right on our uh, stairs as you walk in the house. It's one of the first things you see and people who don't know anything at all about bike racing, other than the fact that I'm nuts for it. They, they will stop in their tracks and look at that and go, oh, my God, look at those mountains. They don't necessarily even see the long stream of riders headed up the, the climbs in, in the Dolomites. Uh, Graham's we, we, we've got several of those. We've got one, uh, a black and white of the Paso Pordoi, um yeah, that is one. incredible. That's, that's the one. Well, we've got, you know, we've got quite a few of them. Uh, got some fantastic, the Tour of Switzerland. We've got some fantastic ones of the Alps. There's an incredible one of the Galibier with them all heading towards the glacier that you can see in the next valley over the top of it. Um, and and my favourite, the top of the moor, which is brilliant. Yeah, top of the moor. Yeah. Grams, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I will I will get a link to the uh, to uh, that collection um, in yeah. the show notes as well. Um, I, I don't have anything to, to, to say. You'll find me on X, at the Gary Fairley, um, and on Instagram, and on Threads. Um, you will find us collectively at Cycling Legends 1 on X. Um, yeah, guys, this this has been the Feed Zone from the Cycling Legends podcast. We've got some features kicking around. We've got some um, midweek stuff lined up coming up, coming your way on the subscriber feed over the next couple of weeks. Um, you can also um, listen to me every Saturday morning on the, the quite decent uh, Saturday supplement. We've yes. Yeah. <coughs> From, uh, that's a five-star rating for us isn't it i quite think so, so yesterday's, yesterday's supplement was quite good i don't yeah, always get a chance to listen to them all because of the the timing of when we do the show versus when you post the supplement but yeah. uh, i did get a chance to listen to all of that one it was uh yeah, yeah. absolutely Th- thank you to peter my, my long-term twitter buddy and um, he said yeah that's quite decent um so yes <laughs> we we, we we, we, we choose to be quite decent, not because it's hard, or not because it's easy, but because it is hard. So, uh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a compliment from an, English, from an Englishman. That is a big compliment. Yeah. yeah that was quite decent. I, th- I think, I think yeah. Peter's an Aussie, actually, which that makes it even... Oh, well, it, it is, is like yeah. I mean, <clears throat> anything that's not shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not shit, mate. Yeah. So if if you want to if you want to you know, get get in touch with us as well, you can email us at cyclinglegendspodcast at gmail.com. Um yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> the, the first email we got last week was please unsubscribe. Um, <laughs> but that was okay. That's uh, I, I I I understand that. And it, and it wasn't yeah. because I was less than quite decent. Or maybe it was just too polite to say. But yeah. drop us a line. Do you, what would you like to talk about? You know, 
discuss you know, um, take issue with what we say here on the feeds or on any of our channels um, and we would happily um, give you a shout out or you know, if you play your cards really badly and we might drag you on the show so, tell us somebody you want interviewing Tell us somebody you want interviewing as well. Who would you like to hear? Because uh, I've, you know, I've been saying we're going to have some big name interviews. Well, we've got one tomorrow, um, if, if communications hold out, and um, uh, into the next year we'll be having lots, lots and lots more. But you, give me a, give me a task. Yeah. Tell me who you want to hear. I really want to know what you think about sock heights. All right. So hit me up with your sock height incident stories at your local criteriums and hill climbs and such. <laughs> And I want to know how many watts you gained by sock doping. People will measure these things. Somebody will know this. Yeah. <laughs> we know that hill climb people are crazy too. But they don't. They don't. There's the aerodynamics not such a factor, is it? They need the, they need the lightest socks possible. Well, see, that's no. next week's show. This should be a minimum sock weight for uh, for hill climbers. Yeah. That's next well, time's show. What was the hill? There was a recent hill climb won by somebody wearing, uh, using wearing using disc brakes, um, and it was like a black day for British hill climbing. Yes, it was. I think the, the national championships wasn't it? It was won by a it bike. It was, yeah. Disc I saw oh, that on YouTube oh. when I was sick. No, I I saw a fantastic thing today. It was a um, a rack full. Of, it was a triathlon, and it was all the bikes racked up with a, with the towels at the bottom and the running shoes ready on the towel, you know, and the helmet and everything. And there was all these super bikes, treks and specialized and everything in a line. And there was a, uh, a rally grifter, <laughs> a rally grifter. I mean, just brilliant. The BMX bike. I mean, somebody said the caption was whoever owns that is my no hero. Right. Wow, there was a was a rally grifter, a five speeder, a, a striker, and a little brother, didn't it? Uh, I, speed. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, grip shift. It was the early, very early days of grip shift. Yeah, I, I, I think that's. Uh, I think that was one of Patrick Bulger's uh, early uh, Criterion bikes. Was it grifter? Well, I was never allowed a chopper, so I mean, that oh. damaged me for life. <laughs> <laughs> We should bring back my life in five bikes. We could, I'm going to pursue some more my life in five bikes. Yes. Chris, I can't talk about it. I, lose my I'm about I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, right. I think on that note, um, it's we will leave you, um, David. Chris, thanks again for your company. Um, to the listeners, thank you for for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the enjoyed the crack, as we say, uh, our Celtic brothers say. Um, in the meantime, this has been the Feed Zone. I'll speak to you on Saturday on the Saturday Supplement. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed the show, and I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks on the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by DaveLavello.cc. Yeah.